Well, let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as we begin here this morning. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here now in this moment. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. I have a lot of information here, but uh, I'm probably going to just stop when I just feel I hit a saturation point, uh, but I won't keep you too long. Um, We're in the fourth week in our series talking about spirit, soul, power, and uh, I'm really um, working up to getting into the sower. I really am, but I keep getting sidetracked with things that just, I don't know, speak to me and uh, throughout the week. And so <clears throat> it isn't like I'm trying to delay anything, but I just really said some things I need to address. And so we're just going to go with that. Uh, is that okay? Yes. Amen. And so we know our foundation verse is in Mark, Mark uh, 4, 1 through 20. Uh, you can turn there if you like. And I've said this each week. Have you ever wondered that it seems like the Word of God, the Bible, and you read it and all the promises of God, and then, then you come to sometimes to, to church and and you hear the word of God preached in week after week. And, uh, and it seems like at times that it just seems like things are not working in your life. And, and then you listen to other people. They share testimony about the Lord did this. God did that. And you just think, what's, what's going on with me? <laughs> Anyone ever thought that or felt that? <laughs> you know, like, what, 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 am I holding up the process or what's going on? And, and so hence this series. And, and I said this, that uh, a key point that I believe uh, that really is a summation of this whole series is that a spiritual person, somebody shout spiritual. spiritual. So we want to be people that are, that are operated by and have a little elementary illustration that we are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. And our spirit, man or woman, is the thing that is born again. It's when we are saved. Christ comes, puts his part of the spirit in our human spirit, and then we are saved. We are born again. It's made new. Thank God for that. But we want to be ruled by that, not our soul and not our body. And we'll get into a little bit more of that in a moment. And so, so a spiritual person is one who lives according to, that is led by their born-again spirit instead of their body. Now, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit to you that numerous times I have been led by my body and my soul. I'm just going to lay it all right out there. Uh, probably more so than more than any of you. Just get that out in the clear. But I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. Amen? Amen. And I want to be led by the Spirit of God. So there's no aura here of that I've arrived or whatever. I'm, I'm in the trenches with you all. And, uh, and, and, and here's one thing, too, we mentioned, too. It's kind of the end of last week. When our priorities and affections are out of order, our whole life is out of order. And that's why when I talk about spirit and we talk about soul power, uh, that's where our soul uh, uh, takes preeminence. You know, how many of you know that faith is action? Faith isn't something that's just out there that's this, this kind of force. Faith is action. If someone says, you know what, this is right, the preaching, teaching's right, I need God in my life, I know I, I, I can't save myself, and you act on that to become born again, that is action. Every single one of you have the power and the ability to act in faith. Now, I don't know where your level of faith is, but you have enough faith to get saved. The worst sinner has enough faith to get saved if they act on it. <laughs> How many with me say amen? Faith is decision. 
And so when we talk about these things with our affections and our priorities and our life being out of order, uh, many of us have areas in our life, I would say all of us, that are needing to be reckoned dead in our soul. And I'll explain that in a moment. And so many times that the Word of God is not working in our life in many instances is that our soul in the Greek, suke is what it means in the Greek, is not renewed. So even though our spirit man or woman, we're born again, you're a Christian, you're a believer, you could still act like a heathen. That's right. That's right. I mean, how many of you oh, I don't want to, you know, someone cut you off in the road and then you find out they go to church. <laughs> I'm always looking around, you know, and I've cut off people in the church, and I didn't mean to. And you know, like I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. So, 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 you know, our our soul needs to be reckoned dead because of the fall in the beginning, sin, corruption, destruction, evil entered our human spirits, and they became fallen. And so, where in the Garden of Eden, our spirit man had ascendancy. After the fall, it got flipped, and the spirit became crippled, uh, latent. It, 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 it just is dormant, and our souls ran our bodies, our mind, our will, and our emotion. And if you look at all the evil that's taking place, all the demonic things that are going on in our nation, in the world, globally, it is because of nations being run by the soul, by the flesh, by a wickedness, and not the spirit that is renewed in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? And so I say this, your body will serve whoever's in control. Your body, you know, doesn't move, you know, it, uh, uh, by itself. It, it needs to be told what to do by our mind, our will, and our emotion. How many with me say amen? amen. I won't be fiddling with that. So whoever's in control. And so if the soul is in power, then, then that's how you'll be orchestrating your life. And so the beauty of the new life in Christ as we're born again is to reckon that dead, uh, to, to take the spirit man or spirit woman and allow that God's spirit to rule in our life. That's it. It's very, very simple. But it's very challenging at times to do. How <laughs> I many with me? Say amen. 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 <laughs> I am all in. <clears throat> You know, you say, well, I, I, I see what you're saying, Pastor Mike. You know, we all know that we should feed on God's word. Amen. But do we? If not, the soul's in control. Right. I know I should worship or I, I know I should be a witness at work, but I don't always all the time. And I'm not saying you got to go be radical and crazy, run around to everybody and go, praise God, brother. And they think you're a nut. Come on. We're not, we're not talking about that, okay? Well, wow, they're radical for Jesus. Or you're, you know, passing out tracts or flyers and dumping them, whatever. No, 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 no. I'm just, but, but just, you know, in a, in a healthy way, you know, it's like I, I need, I think, I feel the Lord is asking me to say something in this moment. I've been working with this guy for nine years in the company and bumping up against him, and I've never said anything to him about the Lord. Amen. Maybe it's time. It's not let the fear in our soul be amazed. They might just say, you know, the reason why churches grow is, yeah, sometimes, you know, you get a great whippersnapper there that's a preacher and all that. But the majority of churches that grow is because the church family members invite people.
people. That's right. I, we can put a huge sign out that says, all welcome. It means nothing to this generation. Yeah. You can say, you belong. It means nothing. How many of you, unless you're a wedding crasher, shows up to a wedding you're not invited to? <laughs> Nobody. Unless you're a wedding crasher. You know, you show up thinking, you know. <clears throat> and so, so you need to be invited. You have to invite someone. And I believe this church is place worth in being invited to. Amen. 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 A lot of good things happening. I mean, I know still you got to deal with me, you know, and that, but <clears throat> there's so many wonderful people in this place. And so we don't want our souls running our life. And we kind of ended last week with this. It was a little bit of a heavy 2 Corinthians 4. As Paul tells the church there, we are always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. What is that? The summation is, is that we're not allowing our soul. We're putting that on the cross, die daily, if you could say it, that the spirit man can have ascendancy in our life. Amen? So that's not promoting self-punishment or self-hatred. But watch this. Where our soul is concerned, Jesus took his soul his suke to the cross, even though he was sinless, to make it possible for us to do that daily in our life. We die daily to the things of the flesh. Uh, there's a life group that's going on, and a, a lot of what I got of this, this message came from a book I read this past summer about Dutchies, what they're doing about uh, the soul. And he, he talks about this and becoming who you are, Dutchies. He was an instructor when I was in Bible school back in the 80s. He said, God's word tears down the exalted life force and negative strongholds in our souls, while at the same time building into it positive strongholds of God's logic and truth. Can you say amen? amen. Very powerful word here in Hebrews 4.12. It says the word of God. Somebody shout the word. The word. That you have either on your app, your iPad, or a literal Bible right in front of you right now is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the vision of the soul and the spirit. The word of God is the only thing that can decipher between, is that my mind speaking? You know what? Is that the flesh? Is that the, the word of God, if you get it in your life, will tell you, do you know what? I probably should not sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend and not being married as a Christian. Yeah. Amen, yeah. Pastor Mike. Yeah. See, the spirit will tell you that. Right. <laughs> but the soul will justify it. Well, we're in love. Yeah. But so some, yeah. some of you just woke up right now. We're in love, so it's okay to do that. We're, well, we're engaged. We're eventually going to get married. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church? <laughs> See, that's the importance of the word of God in your life. That's right. <laughs> Preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. The word of God is living, active, full of power, making an operative, energized, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Wow, Amazing. And it talks about how the joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God judges and exposes our thoughts and our tensions, and it, it determines and lines them up, saying, you know what, I need to cast that imagination down. And you know what, that thinking is really exasperating me, and it is not faith, it is fear. I'm allowing fear, are you awake this morning? Fear in my life in that situation, constantly afraid. And so, now watch this, the word of God, the logos, the written, the rhema, the spoken word, even now that it's being spoken, is living, it is active, it is alive. That's why demonic leaders try to burn and eradicate the Bibles, and they usually attack churches to wipe out churches. Why? Because the word of God is so powerful. Yeah. 
Okay, and I'll give you an illustration here in a moment, but just, just hang on. It, it works. It toils the Word of God. It's operative. It's effective. Now, how is that for the ability to transform your life? That's the Word of God. That's how powerful it is. It isn't going to be soap operas. Come on, somebody. It's gonna, not going to be Netflix that's going to transform your soul. You may see illustrations of certain movies, and they may speak to you. That's fine. But the, the Word of God is the only thing that's going to transform your soul. That's right. I didn't, I didn't decide that. The Word of God said that in the power. Jesus said that. And so if you're one that just thinks, you know what, yeah, I know I really, I need to get to it. I, I, don't allow your soul to rule your life. Allow the spirit man. Well, uh, you know, Jesus said, could you not tarry an hour? An hour? Y'all busy on an hour? Forget about an hour. Forget about that. Try two minutes in the morning. One, try reading one verse. Put that one verse on a card or uh, in a text form to yourself or something. Then you can do a little more. Then you can do it. How many hear what I'm saying? Yeah. we got to develop spiritual habits that help our spirit make right choices and know why. Why should I not do this or think this way or do that? And until you get the word of God in you, the whole word of God, uh, you, it, your life is really going to be struggling, one of constant, constant struggles. Now, we know that we have a flesh. We have to contend with that. And that's why Paul says, I die daily. And that's why we need to get the word of God in this. So at times we say, you know what? Uh, we overcome this. We overcome this. So very quickly. So some reflections about the sower. We'll see how far we get here this morning on this. Uh, I might just, con just continue next week. Uh, but turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 4, and we know we talked about verses 1 through 20, but let's just jump for the sake of time from 13 to 20. It's the parable of the sower and a little explanation, so without taking time, what we read. And Jesus said unto them, do you not understand this parable? How then we understand all parables? So what takes place in this parable is going to help you understand all parables and many things in life. And one of the things is, hence this series, why we can hear the word of God, we can come to church and not be transformed. We can walk right out the door if the preacher talks about and gives verses on scriptures to not be afraid. But then that truth becomes a reality to you. You'll walk out here and you'll still be afraid. Right. You'll still operate in anger. You'll come on, somebody. You'll still, you know, to not take charge of your thoughts. All right? We'll still act that way. And until we allow that word inside and, the, and our spirit man or woman speaks, say, you know what, cast that thing down. That, 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 cast that down. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so Jesus said, do you not understand that you don't understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are those by the wayside. Somebody say the wayside. <clears throat> Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And so there's four types of soil here. 25% of the soil, Satan is involved. A lot of times we like to think the devil's involved in everything. The devil, Flip Wilson is an old sitcom that used to be on TV. And he would always say what? The devil made me do it. And really, the devil is, he's not omnipresent. God is. Okay, thank God for that. And sometimes you just think, this is the devil. The devil, this is the devil. No, he's a defeated foe. However... You allow him, give him ground on your life. He'll he'll like to be around. He'll roam around. 
it make you mean to make, make you afraid about, but I want to, you to wake up about that. Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in the hearts. And so, so if you have a heart that's like a wayside, and we'll develop that, Lord willing, the weeks to come, but Satan can come and he can take what is spoken away. How does he do that? He does that by the strongholds in your soul. Your soul, pain, past, abuses. Yeah, you know, pastor said something like that. Well, I don't believe that. You know what? Because this is what happened to me. You know, I tried that or whatever did that. He, he, the word is taken out of your heart. Everything that was sown, the enemy comes in. He takes that out. Am I still with me? Amen. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones stone, on stony ground. When they hear the word immediately, they receive it with gladness. In other words, when the pastor preaches, they go, amen, pastor. I'm like, that's good. They have no root in themselves. And so endure for a time after with the tribulation of persecution arises for the world's sake. Immediately they stumble. They're excited because they know it's true. Their spirit, man or woman, says, yes, amen, that's right. Finally, we're hearing some truth that's helping us grow thereby. But you really, that's all you have. You don't have a daily, you don't have a weekend, week out, developed spiritual disciplines in your life. And so the enemy comes in and, and, and he can, he just, he just, uh, it's on stony ground. And the third uh, type of soil, verse 18, these are the ones sown among thorns. <clears throat> they are the ones who hear the word, <clears throat> excuse me, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Somebody shout things. <clears throat> in America, things trip us up. <laughs> what, just fill in the blank, whatever the things are. Well, it's a new boat. Well, it's a new this. It's a new, you know, fishing line. Or it's a new, you know, quad. It's a new, you know, I don't, whatever. Whatever it may be. New car. It's a newer house. It's, a, it's more things concerning. And they enter in. And here's the thing. Those things choke the word and the word becomes unfruitful. I thought the word was powerful. It is. But if we allow those things to choke us, we can become unfruitful. And then we know in verse 20... These are the ones sown on good ground. Somebody show good ground. good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and it bears fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. And forever when I read that, you know, the word of God is amazing. You can read a scripture, and then years later read the same thing and, and derive something new. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the men we're teaching in this morning, and, and it's just a great teaching, and just hearing the feedback in there, and it was just great to hear how, you know, asking good questions and, and what was taking place. And there's always something new. It's not just, this is it and this is the only way. Well, you know, we know Christ is the only way to heaven. Amen. There are absolutes, but, but there, the word is so rich. Amen. Amen. And so it bears fruit and it says some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And that could be, you know, ways that your heart is really developed and your soul receiving but I like to look at it as a 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It's like a, a, a plant that grows. Just allow it to continue to grow. What it's saying is that seed will continue to grow and will produce. Uh, I don't know you this year if you had a lot of, like, fruit this year. Somehow the fruit just didn't seem to be that good. Amen. I mean, like, if you all know, like, a great place to get good peaches or you know, like a watermelon. Usually when you get something, you cut it open, it's like, oh, that tasted, you know. And, and so I don't know. For some reason, the fruit we grabbed this year is, wasn't that great. My, but when we were out in Idaho, my wife got four peaches at $2 a piece. 
But the peach was like this, I'll pay more than $2 for that peach. It was the best peach. She was just dripping. It was perfect. And my point is, is that if you allow that word to grow in our life, it's going to continue on. I had, uh, I planted two peppers. That's all I had time for, two pepper plants. Uh, and I got two peppers, but boy, they were pretty lame. <laughs> I still have them, unless you threw them away. I <laughs> And Ryan and I were going to taste them, but if I taste them, I'd be like habanero. I mean, they were like pre-shriveled. I'm like, oh. And so my point is, is that if the word of God is like a seed, and it will, even though you may feel like you're only at 30-fold, hang on, continue to feed, you'll be at 60-fold. Amen? Amen? I'm going to get my words here correct. Amen? If you keep hanging in there, you know, you'll get 80, 90, 100-fold if you just stay at it. All right, very quickly here. And we're going to wind down here. Uh, Matthew 13, 3. Matthew 13, 3. Behold the sower. He went forth to sow. You know, this is a very important event. Jesus thinks it's worthwhile to mention that a single sower went forth to sow. In other words, that a Christian person, a born-again believer, a man, a woman, a young person went out to share God's word, to further the word of God. You know, 22 years ago, Church for the Harvest started by two sowers, my wife and I, that went out to sow, meeting in our living room at Lake Mary. And there was a handful of people there, some of them still here today. Just, just a handful of sowers. My son at the time was the fall of 1999. He was five years old. My daughter, Destiny, she was three. And Mariah was six months old when we started, just a little baby. But we decided to sow in faith. It was crazy. Who could have ever thought that it showed today, 21 years later, 22 years later? I would have never imagined this. And I think of the many members in this church over the past 22 years that go forth to sow the seed of God continually by serving. Serving how in leadership, whether as a trustee, treasurer, or back in the nursery, in pre-K, kids' church, to the youth, the special lead classes that, that, that are hosted at this church to help teach and equip those in our church body and outside the church body to lead God peepers, people, all the mentors in this church, the women and the men, the, the pre-marriage counseling, the counseling of couples, all of that that takes place, the life groups, the intercessory prayer that happens on Saturday morning, those who serve on the worship team and the lighting and the cameras, the video editing, all of that. Behold the sowers. They go forth to sow. That's powerful. All serving, ministering, all helping, and enabling the seed of God to germinate in others. Wow. I think of those who have traveled with us to the nations on mission trips. And these flags aren't here just for general purpose. Those are either people that were born again from that country that came here servicemen and women or countries that we have actually been to or have sent missionaries from this church our people to the nations russia ukraine japan sri lanka mexico canada up in the tundra <clears throat> south africa southeast asia all those to witness for jesus or those even locally <clears throat> that witness at the workplace your neighbors we've taken many teams to the new orleans mardi gras and on, we've taken teams a number of two missions trips to uh, Houston, Texas. What is that? Behold the souls. They go forth. 
Thank God for the sowers. How many know there would be no churches in America or Alexandria or even church for the harvest if the sowers did not go forth to sow? They wouldn't. Behold, the sower went forth to sow. You know, for many, many years, it has increased our monthly support uh, to the nation of Sri Lanka back there, that flag with the, 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 the lion on it. And there are many very, th- th- that nation right now is in a very difficult, they're starving, trying to get electricity going and fuel. And it's just a horrible, horrible uh, situation. We know many, many families there. We're up to now $1,500 a month and we serve over seven or eight missionaries. These are families that have kids like you and I. That this has now become their life bread. That they could take U.S. dollars and transport and to help them survive. You are doing that. Behold the sowers. Can you say amen? amen? Those who work and sow in the kids' area on Sunday mornings or the youth on Wednesday night. So faithfully laboring among the infants, the little ones and the teens. And you have no idea what the results of your teaching. Your sowing, your impartation may be. You have no idea how that can be an eternal impact on somebody's life. Why are you talking about this, Pastor? Because it's so important. Every single one of us are called to be sowers. That's right. Did you hear that? It goes part of serving. It goes part of leading. Every single one of us. Thank you for those that continue to sow. You know, how many of you know, even for the little ones, good corn can grow in very small fields? Isn't that right? You just need a little pot of dirt and you can get some, a good harvest. The Holy Spirit can bless your simple words to babies, to the kids, to the youth that listen to you. And I wrote this down because I believe this is a, a truth. <clears throat> Life or death, heaven or hell may depend upon your sowing of the good seed of the gospel in someone's life. That's a fact. Did you hear that? You say, well, I don't know, really, Pastor Mike? My life doesn't seem that significant to have that kind of impact. <laughs> you know, I just work at so-and-so, or I just do whatever. Let me give you a story, if, our, if I may, that actually happened to me as a young kid. Growing up, I went to a public school that had 7,000 students. It was a pretty violent high school back in the 70s, and <clears throat> my mom was concerned, and my dad, and, and uh, us being there, uh, in that school, and I didn't, can't tell you one thing I learned that first year in the high school. And so my mom went before the school board and uh, petitioned for our family. We were the first in the community in Brockton. There was 400 people that showed up at that school board. And, you know, some people were screaming and railing and whatever, but she said, I want to take my kids out, and we were homeschooled, all eight of us. What a job <clears throat> and that my mom had before her. And so, so what happened was is that uh, I had a little bit of discipline there because I wanted to ride my motorbike. So I had a little Honda XR75, but I couldn't ride it until I was done with my school. So I get up 6 o'clock, do all my studies by noon, then I can ride my motorbike when they're still at school. Man, I thought that was cool. Ooh, I'm down back riding my dirt bike. You still don't see the school bus. I would wait there when they get off the school bus. You know, I, <laughs> I just loved it. And uh, some other kids, too, the parents started doing this, and they had their dirt bikes. And my point was this. There was a gentleman named, and I'll just say his name because I, I have high respect for him. His name is Dick Wilmot. None of you know him. I believe he's still alive today. If you ever hears, hears this message, I would say, Dick, thank you. God bless you for your impact in my life. But Dick was a unique character. He was probably about 6'4", and he was probably over 300 pounds, big, burly guy. He was from Binghamton, New York, up in that area where we grew up. 
Well, he got involved with my mom and dad, and they were a part of when they started their church. And the short of it is, is that he recently went through a divorce, and he had a couple of kids, two sons, and I believe it was a daughter. And the story with Dick was Dick had an anger problem. Now, he didn't have an anger problem where maybe once in a while he would get upset. He had an anger problem about everything. <laughs> you know, if the screwdriver slips, he breaks the screwdriver. Come on. Some of you go, uh oh, he's, he's digging in my chili right now. If the hammer hit your thumb, all right, I know it hurts. But you don't melt the hammer down and turn it into something else. You know what I mean? The hammer may go flying somewhere. Then you got to pull out and fix what you just broke. This guy was in over 300 plus jobs he had. And he would get on the job site. Something would happen and wouldn't work. And he'd like, ah! And then he'd go destroy something. But he loved the Lord. And he was a, a, a great guy actually to be around when he wasn't angry. And my point was is that when my mom took us out of school, he showed up at our house and he had an old 70s pickup truck and it had, you know, where you put the camper on the back? You could Google some of those old and he lived in that. And so he had nowhere to go. So back then, I mean, families, if the Kirby vacuum guy knocked on your door, you'd say, welcome, come right on in. You know, that doesn't happen today. He'll walk into your bedroom, dump stuff on the bed and vacuum it. Come on, some of you remember. Listen, when they would come knock at the door, our kids would be like this in socks. We'd, you know, wow, who's here? You know, we're so excited when something comes to the door. Come to the door now, who's there? Check the ring. Hurry up. Does the ring doorbell have, who is that? Do we know them? Oh, it's just the UPS guy. Total different, total different. So, so we just, well, different. We had people in our houses all the time, and some people we probably shouldn't have had in our homes at times. But Dick, he's like, well, you know what? I'll help teach in school. So he lived there. He lived there uh, with us. And so he would teach us as we were homeschooled. And so uh, my dad had a 20-foot Winnebago, and so we would go inside that, outside, my sister Sue and I, and he would teach us math and social sciences. And, and, and I really learned a lot from him. Some of the things I know, what little I know about how the government is structured, whatever, I remember by him. He just would spend time with us. And I think a lot of times he would just go to the actual questions that they're going to give on the test, and he would help us, di you know, dissect that. And then when we were done with that, he would, we would play Monopoly. Or we play risk. You know, he liked to play games and, or, or something like that. And, or stocks and bonds. And I even remember some of those games. And he loved sci-fi movies. And maybe that's where I got a little uh, desire about sci-fi movies. I remember him telling me he was going to go see the first Aliens movie out in 1979. And he's like, oh, you can't see that. You'll be so scared if you see that. This thing jumps out on you. I'm like, really? I'm 15 years old. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> and... But here's my point, and I'm almost done. I still remember. I still remember. Back in 1979, at 532 East Street in Brockton, Mass., one morning, he decided to pray over my sister and I to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This divorced man, unemployed, living at our house, teaching attempting to teach my sister and I. And he laid hands on me. I was radically impacted. Mm. I was filled with the Spirit. Amen. I began to speak in tongues. I began to weep for 45 minutes. My sister Suzanne, oh. she was laughing. She's laughing hysterically on the couch, not at me. 
just the joy of the yeah. Lord on her. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. It was a great thing. People crying, people laughing. God's in the midst of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, and I began to just weep. Sorrow just began to, things in my heart and with my father, the brokenness, the, yeah. the, the, the father heart wound. I was just crushed by that, and God is just pouring buckets of love on me. Just, yeah. just pouring liquid love on me. Yeah. And I just couldn't handle it. I, just, I can remember it. I just remember it's like, you can cry for a little bit about certain things, but then sometimes you cry, and yeah. you can't stop crying. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things I just couldn't, but I kept saying, don't stop. Because whatever this is, as a 15-year-old in my very simple mind, yeah. it is healing my heart. Yeah. I, am, I, I will never forget this moment yeah. in my life. Stand with me if you would, please. A divorced man who had an anger problem, who had no place to live but the back of his pickup truck, who had no job. God used him mightily one day to pray for me and my sister. I've been changed ever since then. Well, pastor, who am I? God used this man. I don't, I can't say for certain. I would be married to who I'm married to today or be here today, which I believe is the perfect will of God. I mean, I say that trepidly because there's many directions I could have gone here hear what I'm saying but and if you're married to your spouse it's the will of God I'm saying that right now unless you're in some crazy abusive situation right but it's the will of God well I didn't know but but if regardless you divorce there's healing there's restoration in Christ amen but I don't know if I'd be here today without having that experience at 15 that's how impactful it I think about that. Life or death, heaven or hell may depend upon your sowing of the good seed of the gospel in someone's life. Every head bow, please. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians that God was well pleased through the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel. In other words, the gospel is foolishness to the world. A lot of times, especially even full gospel circles, we like to make the gospel foolish because we act foolish. But the preaching of the gospel is foolishness. But even in that, God says, I'm well pleased with it. We'll talk about that, Lord willing, the weeks to come. He's well pleased. He's well pleased. So whatever you head about here this morning, I'm talking to two groups of people. Number one, those of you Believers, your sowers. Some of you, your hands have been clenched for a while. May have been hurt. Maybe angry right now. I think sower. I'm not sowing a seed. I am hurting inside. God wants to heal that part of your soul. If you can open your hand and allow Him to touch you, God has times of refreshing. That that moment that happened to me back in 1979 as a 15-year-old boy, radically changed my life. I'm not special, God's special. But when he touches you, that's a special thing. And God has a touch for every single one of you. He's not gonna pass you by, but you gotta be open. 
when he asked me, he said, you want to be prayed to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I knew nothing about the arguments. Nobody told me that theologically this is not possible. Nobody said that when the last apostle died, then the gifts ended. Nobody said that, oh, that's the devil. Don't believe that. Nobody said nothing. I just said, I just want what God has for my life. As a stupid 15-year-old kid, I was stupid enough to receive. And I got it. Wow. That's how we receive from God. Behold the soul. With every head bowed here this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. Your hand has been clenched. We're going to have a time of prayer for you in a moment. But those of you possibly here today, maybe you're a guest or visitor, you love the Lord, but you have never really given your spirit man or woman to God. So how do you do that? The Bible says if you repent and you believe the good news, you're born again. And so our spirit man or woman can actually be changed, transformed. So how do you know that? Well, number one, if you don't have the absolute assurance that God forbid if you die today that you go to heaven, there's something maybe you need to relook at. They go, wait a minute. Am I really aligned with God? Am I, am I certain that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven? You can know. The Bible says these are things written that you may know. God wants you to know. He wants you to know. He wants you to know. You're here this morning. You say, you know what? I've never done that. God's just been kind of this theological thought, the man upstairs, but I've never invited Christ into my life. Here's an opportunity for you to do that. You're not joining this church, but you would be joining the family of God. With every head bowed, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need God in my life. Once and for all, I want God to come into my spirit, man or woman, to save me. If that's you, pray with me. Say with me, say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.